0: The SCP multiverse is under constant assault, and destruction can come at any moment. Therefore, having just one database is a folly the Foundation can no longer accept. Join Dr. Kevin Milgram and SCP-073, Kane, as they create an oral history of the SCP Foundation, In Memories of Kane, an SCP Story, hosted by Daniel Doremus. For should the foundation fall, the unkillable first murderer of man will live on. New episodes drop every second Wednesday of the month on the Fearscape Media Network. Visit FearscapeMedia.com for more information. Fearscape Media Network Exploring the Unknown, one podcast at a time. Uh, 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 uh. Binge Thinking, the podcast where I get dumb drunk and make jokes about dark shit because that's the only way I know how to cope with life. Enjoy. Hi there, folks. This is... Poinsettia Haberdasher, and you're listening to Wishful Drinking and Binge Thinking. You know, a lot of people name their daughters after flowers, but you don't hear a lot of people using the name Poinsettia. And that was a choice I made. This is going to be a fun one. (laughs) Mostly because the topic is just... Oh, so lively, um, something recently, not personal, um, th- a personal adjacent, has inspired me to discuss uh, the most fun topic this month, grief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one's, you're going to love this one, guys. I say guys not to single out any female listeners, but according to my demographic statistics, it's pretty much just guys. Sup, guys? (laughs) This is also my birthday month, so I have eaten a big cake today and am drinking bourbon once again because it's my fave. We are having four roses and getting deep about grief. <laughs> Let's do this. So, starting off, I just want to be very clear that when I say grief, I don't just mean mourning the death of someone close to you. I mean mourning the end of anything. Um, I mean, I know... At the age we're all listening to this podcast, we know better. But growing up, when you hear grief, you really only associate it with death. But grief happens to us when we lose anything. If we lose a job, if we lose a friend, um, if we lose a relationship or a fucking cat we were fostering for three weeks and then had to give to someone who adopted them. That was oddly specific, but I assure you it did not happen to me, though it sounds like it would. I'm such a fucking cat lady um Grief is just the end of something, like uh, oh, how the fuck do I associate this to life that people will yeah you know fuck it it doesn't have to be an analogy you will understand, but like when people are fucking around with the tarot. And they get the death card, and they're like, Oh shit, somebody's gonna die. And the person reading the cards has to be like, No, it just means the end of something. It's like that. But less weird. Or more weird. Grief is fucking weird. But it's not. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Shut up. So, what most people are familiar with when it comes to grief, is the whole Kubler-Ross model, which, like, has its merits, but also isn't sort of, like, substantially proven. And that, like, when people learn it, they feel like people have to go through all five of those stages. You know, the, um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Um... And they also think they have to happen in that order, which is not true at all. Um, Also, she... um, Yeah, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in the late 60s did not do this grief research on people who had lost family members. They did research on people who had been diagnosed with terminally with terminal conditions, so like cancer patients and people wi- who, you know, had only been given so long to live, so her r- grief research was actually um, more about accepting death as part of their own life rather than accepting the death of a loved one, which is what people tend to interpret that as these days. Um, so basically the stages of grief are denial, you know, um, you know, somehow there's been a mistake. Uh, this isn't real living in kind of a false reality where it's not true. And then anger where they realize they can't keep denying the fact they get frustrated. Why is this happening to me? It's not fair. Uh, how can I blame someone a lot of people, if they're religious or anything, like, they start blaming God and that sort of thing. Um, then there's bargaining, which, you know, religion plays another role in. You try to bargain with God. You could bargain with your doctors. Isn't, you know, is there a treatment that's not on the market that I could try? I mean, what's the deal here? There's got to be something we can do. Um, depression. So, you know, if I'm going to die soon, what's the fucking point? Why should I do anything? or you know if someone close to you has died people interpret it as you know what's the point of doing anything if that person's not here and then finally acceptance like it's going to be okay i can fight this um you know they're <laughs> just accepting that death is a part of life um those are the five stages not everyone experiences all five of those you might only experience one of them shit you could be in denial until the day you die (laughs) oh god that would be the life huh just believing that you could go on and on I'm gonna do that I think I'm just gonna deny that death exists and live my life as if I am immortal and you know hopefully go out in a blaze of glory where I don't know what's coming. Sounds good. So, like, there were a bunch of people that researched grief before Kubler-Ross came around, and you know, they had a lot of the same material, but I guess she just wrote it nicer and prettier because that's the model everyone's taught. But the truth is There's no real scientific evidence showing that people move through these stages or that any certain time period is spent on any of these stages. And I mean, like, it's a good collection of emotions that people might feel when they're grieving, so don't dismiss it. But the whole model itself is just kind of guidelines and not really what grief is actually all about. So any who's its um yeah there's all kinds of different ways to grieve and like you don't always have to grieve something that was good sometimes you grieve bad shit like when people leave an abusive relationship even though they know they're doing the right thing they still like grieve that comfortable lifestyle. And when I say comfortable, I don't mean like they were having a good time. But just that it was familiar and that's what they were used to. Um, Shit, I worked with addicts who grieved the substance that they were leaving behind. Yeah, their life improved and everything was better. But they still had habitually done whatever that substance was for so fucking long that they grieved it like... It was a habit, a routine that they were so used to and comfortable with. So in a way, we can grieve anything that we become comfortable with, whether it's positive or negative. And really, it's just acknowledging that we're leaving something behind or that something else has left us behind. I'm going to say behind again because it's fun to say. Behind. So, most people get through the grieving process on their own. They feel sad for a little while, and then, you know, the whole, fuck, the time heals all wounds thing. It does, though, uh, and grief just kind of fades away over time sometimes. So, there's this thing called acute grief, and it's, it's not because the grief is so attractive and, like brooding people and angsty people can sometimes be kind of hot no it's acute grief like it lasts just a little while like the angle it's little and you know there's a lot of disruption of functioning that comes with that like um i don't know not sleeping well or just being sad and i don't know crying a bunch It's crying a bunch. Excuse me. Um, But then if acute... If grief goes on way too long. Not that there's any timeline for this. But there's something called complicated grief. Which is exactly what it sounds like. It's complicated. So, it's when the symptoms of acute grief, like, you know, loss of appetite and shock or numbness and that sort of stuff, just doesn't go away. Um, No matter how long it's been, like, it's years and you're still having these symptoms. And complicated grief is also where the symptoms are so unmanageable that you can't do your daily activities. And it's causing actual problems, like... Not being able to go to work and earn a paycheck and, you know, pay for your life. (laughs) So when it becomes an issue to where it's actually ruining your life and you're not able to function properly, then that's when grief gets a little more complicated. And that's when it's necessary for, like, groups and therapy and shit like that because acute grief people learn to deal with but complicated grief you need a little outside help Um but the goal is to reach a state of integrated grief where all of the intense symptoms kind of go away and you know integrated grief is the lifelong process of the waves that you feel so like Maybe most of the time you don't think about it, but around holidays and anniversaries and stuff, the memories pop up and it makes you super sad and cry and shit. And that's fucking normal. You're a normal human being. Not that I'm saying that people in the complicated grief stage are not normal human beings, but you know what I mean. It's not beneficial to any lifestyle. To be in that mode. You know? Grief gets even weirder, like, depending on who you're grieving, if we're talking about death. Like, say it's an unexpected loss. Like, I lost my aunt in a super quick and unexpected way, and it was pretty shocking. And there was a little denial and just numbness because it's like, that, fuck, that came from out of nowhere. That's not right. She was too young for that, blah, blah, blah. And it's really hard to get to that integrated stage when there's that level of denial and numbness. Um, Grief could also be uh, expected. Like when someone has been suffering with a long illness. Uh, For example, both of my grandmothers had diseases. um, One, a sort of pneumonia type disease. And they gave her six months to live. And she ended up living for about six years after that. So it was expected for a long time. And when it finally happened, it wasn't. Really shocking, but it was still pretty fucking sad. Uh, Another grandmother had ALS, and with that, there's kind of a slow deterioration. So again, not shocking. Um, So when you do have that long period, you start to accept things more easily or move from the denial. You have more time to move from the denial stage to an acceptance stage. And maybe you'll go through some of the other parts of that Kubler-Ross um, structure like the anger or the bargaining, but maybe not. Maybe you just go from the shock to the acceptance over time. There's no logic with grief. There's no pa- one pathway that people follow. It's bonkers. Or um, another one you could think of is miscarriages say someone has a miscarriage and they have to grieve this person that they never even got to meet um, but was somehow still a part of them, a part of the family. Um, and that, with that is interesting because it's not just grieving a person, it's grieving an idea. And we do grieve ideas a lot. Um, for those of us who are daydreamers and fantasize a lot, we start to plan out what we think our future will look like or things that will happen. And when they don't, we grieve for those ideas because they never came to fruition. So it's kind of like a miscarriage because you're grieving the person but also, like the person they could have become. Not necessarily a person that you knew. So there's a lot of fucking hard shit that comes with grief. And It's not just the loss that you're dealing with, but there are a lot of other emotions that can come with it. Especially those long illnesses. um, And especially if you're in a caregiver role. Because, like, here's the thing. Sometimes when someone dies... And I'm not going to say pass away, because I feel like that's sugarcoating things. I don't know. But when someone dies, you can feel things other than just grief. Like, uh, I had a client once who was the primary caregiver for her mother and her siblings did nothing to help out while she did all the work and it was a burden on her. So when her mother finally passed away, she was kind of relieved that she didn't have to struggle in that caregiver role and sacrifice so much anymore. And then with that relief becomes a whole lot of fucking guilt. Because you feel guilty for feeling relieved. And you shouldn't because you love that person. But, like, that's normal, you guys, in that situation. You're allowed to have multiple emotions regarding the loss of something. And, like, if society is trying to tell you... That you can't feel a particular way. Then fuck society. I sound like. Tyler Durden or something. Um, yeah. Just feel how you feel. And don't let anybody tell you. How it should be. And. I know saying. Don't feel guilty about having any of those. Less negative emotions. Is the same as saying. Calm down when you're pissed off. But really try not to feel guilty if there's some level of relief especially if it was a long term illness and you feel like they're not suffering as much anymore you ever feel like dissociated from shit like not that you're in shock or that you don't care it's just that you, you're not connecting with the information. Does that make sense? A lot of people feel that disconnection and dissociation and then they feel it's not like they're denying that something is happening that they should be grieving but they're not fully connecting with the information um it leads to that numb feeling and a s- just a sense of unreality um that's part of uncomplicated grief um sometimes it takes a minute for people to feel like things are real and then when they do feel real They do start experiencing some of those symptoms like mood swings and trouble sleeping or loss of appetite and things like that. Um, A lot of people who dissociate and disconnect from that grief feel a lot of physical issues rather than mental issues. Like they go about their day and everything is fine, but they feel like they have a stomach ache or a headache and all of these somatic responses to the grief rather than the mental and emotional responses. So sometimes people that aren't fully connecting with it would benefit from discussing it more because as a society, at least in American culture, we try to overlook grief and move past it as quickly as we can and we don't talk about it as much as other cultures do. Um, So people benefit a lot from groups and or really even just discussing things and that's why a lot of therapists will suggest doing things like writing a letter to the loved one um, where you say things that you wish you would have said or kind of a last word sort of thing this is what I wish I could tell you right now um, these are my words of goodbye and that has proven helpful for a lot of people and is used a lot in CBT therapy um, as a way of helping people just connect with the loss and try to get to that acceptance stage. So I think one of the falsehoods that that whole uh the uh, five stages of grief thing presents us is that grief is a linear progression like there's no one way that people grieve and there's no one pathway some people accept loss really easily and others ruminate on it and maybe it depends on makeup. You know, if someone is already prone to anxiety or depression, grief is gonna throw a wrench in that and make the symptoms of those mental health disorders way worse. Whereas people who aren't necessarily experiencing any of those initial symptoms might be able to deal with grief easier since it's like the only thing they're dealing with and they don't have to bother with all the other stuff on top of it but even that isn't a great predictor for who will or won't experience complicated grief I don't know it's like a it's a personal thing I tend to move through grief pretty easily and get to that acceptance stage pretty quickly but I also have the tendency to move through all of my emotions quickly. If I get really angry about something, I don't hold grudges. I get super pissed for two minutes and then I'm fine. <laughs> I move on to the next thing, the next emotion. Hopefully, a more positive one. And, you know, that's just my personality. So I don't know if there are personality traits that correlate with how long you grieve, but people who process emotions quicker tend to get through the grieving process a little easier than others. Anyway, like, (laughs) don't let anybody tell you what your journey through grief is supposed to look like, because it looks different for everyone. Some people will be up and at the next day and going about their normal activities just slightly sadder than usual. And other people will fucking never get over a loss. Like that dog in the fucking saddest episode of Futurama that just sits and waits for Fry until he dies. God, that was heart-wrenching. <laughs> And I bet every one of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That fucking dog. Anyway. The point is... Grief is going to come in waves. Like Wanda Maximoff discusses with Vision. Sometimes it's like you're just standing ankle deep. And then the next thing, a big wave overtakes you. And then it's okay for a little while. And then another wave comes. But over time... The waves do start getting smaller and maybe they're not quite as rough, but then one day without even knowing why, a big tsunami style wave will hit you, it could be five years or 20 years down the road, but it will, and you'll be like, what the fuck was that, but that'll pass too, and that's grief. Now, as everyone knows from the first two episodes of this series, I am a big fan of REBT, Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy. <laughs> Rational and grief don't necessarily go together. But let's try. Let's throw those two together and see what REBT says about grief. So, hang on, I need to draw. out, I'm going to have to get a refill soon. Um, So, REBT, <laughs> that looks a lot like um, looking at your self-talk and trying to evaluate the thoughts that you're having during this grief process. It's evaluating how logical those thoughts are and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of role play involved in this where it's You know, what do you want to say to the person that's gone? Or it looks a lot like putting a positive reframe on things. So with those people that were suffering for a long time, it's like the example of people constantly saying, Oh, well, at least they're not suffering anymore. Which sounds both helpful and douchey somehow. But is also what is helping them get through the grieving process so if you reframe your thinking to look at that like okay that's that's true they're not having to struggle so that's you know kind of a positive thing it's reframing the way you're looking at the loss so if you're grieving like the loss of a job you could look at look at it and say you know this could lead to a better job in the future um, If I were stuck at that company, I wouldn't find any other opportunities that might be better. Blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't have advanced. I wouldn't be doing anything. I'd just be stuck in the same old, same old. So it's a lot of REBT is reframing shit. And God, that's why I love REBT. It's like CBT, but with more cursing. So, you know, that's where my interest peaked. (laughs) REBT is a more holistic approach, and it's like, yeah, this shit thing happened, but uh, the world continues as the world turns. You know, soap opera style, the life continues. Clearly, the world as a whole has not changed, so you don't necessarily need to make a ton of changes either. Either, either. Whatever. It feels unbearable sometimes and really hard to get through, but it happens anyway, whether you're up and going about your normal activities or lying in bed. The day still passes. And that's kind of the REBT approach. So you can choose to lay in bed. All right, fine. You're not going to accomplish anything. Or you could get up and try to do your normal daily activities. And, I mean, you're not denying that anything happened. It's just, and you're not getting an explanation why. It's also the acceptance of not having an answer. There's, I mean, God's not going to fucking answer you. You're not Moses. I mean, (laughs) you're not going to get an answer for why someone was taken from you. Maybe if the grief is resulting from, like, a loss of job... Maybe your company will tell you why they're firing you. Or if a relationship is ending, maybe the person will be honest and give you 100% feedback about why they're leaving. You know, sometimes there are answers and sometimes there aren't. And even when you do have answers, like the relationship one, there's no guarantee that that's everything. I mean, sometimes people sugarcoat shit and they'll tell you one thing. And that thing might be true, but it may not be the whole truth. The point is, you're never going to have an answer to why you've lost something. You just have. And it's hard to accept things when there's no explanation. But you just have to. There's no other option. The other option is to just wallow and ruminate and destroy yourself. With your negative thinking styles. So, R-E-B-T, their approach to grief is really just to help you accept that you're not going to have all the answers. That things aren't perfect. That life goes on no matter what. (laughs) And it can sometimes feel harsh and blunt, but it's still the truth. So, not get over it, but adjust to it adjust to it learn that yes that thing you cared about is gone but life continues and your life does not have to be drastically altered by this your life can continue to be positive in other ways even though that thing is no longer a part of it and it's sad And it'll be sad for a little while, but it stops being super sad over time. And it will feel better. And it doesn't feel like it at first. And there's no timeline for it. So when I say feel better, that might be a month from now, and it might be three years from now, and it might be 30 years from now, but fuck it, it, eventually, at some point, it will. Trust me. And hopefully I'm covering my ass So, like, not 31 years from now, a random listener is like, you said to trust you, and I don't feel better. You know how much I doubt that'll happen? I will bet my firstborn's life on it. And by that, I mean my cat. So, basically, the point of this is to say that it's okay For you to feel any kind of way after a loss. You don't have to be experiencing the five stages of grief. And even if you are experiencing any of those five things. It doesn't have to be in a particular order. Or all five of them. Whatever you're experiencing doesn't even have to show up on that fucking map. If you feel relieved that someone's passed away because in some way they were burdening burdening you that's okay it is a human emotion to feel try not to let that make you feel guilty because a lot of good people will feel guilty for feeling those emotions but it's human we all feel that kind of way sometimes even if it's not a person. If you lost a job that was just really stressful, and even though your family might be in a hard situation because of it, it's okay to feel relief because you don't have to go into a toxic work environment or something like that, you know? You're allowed to have more than one emotion about something. You can be sad and happy about something at the same time. Or you can be really upset but also excited like maybe something was holding you back like the job scenario maybe you didn't feel like you were going anywhere in that job even though you liked it so it's okay if your grief is complicated and involves a lot of emotions that you haven't necessarily heard about in that whole Kubler-Ross model You're allowed to feel however you want to feel. But the point is that you eventually need to take some, assert some control and try to move forward past the loss. I mean, take the relationship example you could just be sad that a relationship is ending and never try again, or you could get back out there. You could be sad that you've lost your job, but you can't just not work again, right? You need to get back out there. If you lose a family member or a loved one, yeah, it's fucking sad. But that doesn't mean that the rest of your family doesn't still exist. You can take all of the love that you had for that person and distribute it amongst the others. Because they're still there. Fuck, you can even throw some of it inward. Love yourself a little more. Everyone needs that. What a lot of people have mentioned as being helpful is some sort of established routine. Grief can really suck the fucking energy out of you like Sasha Gray. So... (laughs) it's helpful to have some kind of established routine that you can keep doing even through the grieving process. So like for me, um, I have established a routine over the past year of just waking up and doing five to ten minutes of exercise, like little resistance band stuff, and it really doesn't take long. It spikes my energy, makes me feel good starting out the day, and then I go cook breakfast. So, it's a habit that I've established, and I know that I'm not feeling great if I don't do those things. So, if you already have some habits like that established, it helps you when something, some kind of loss does happen, to keep going about your regularly scheduled activities if you don't have those healthy habits set up beforehand, then nothing is pushing you to get out of bed and do things so you don't have a healthy moving on process from whatever it is you're grieving. Um And I'm not saying that laying in bed all day and just... Staring at the ceiling and being sad is bad. I'm just saying that it's not a long-term solution to grief. You need to get up and do things. Go about your normal life. To show yourself that the world hasn't ended. That things are still as they were, just minus something. And that doesn't mean it's going to feel that way forever. You can find other things to a lot that love and caring too. But it may not be right now. But in the meantime, you can go about your little healthy habits. And that helps you to move on a little bit quicker. And you know there have been studies showing how helpful those daily activities can be in hard situations. So if you don't have anything like that set up, go ahead and try to do it now. And it doesn't have to be exercise or making breakfast or anything like that. It could be anything you want it to be. Maybe you wake up and read a prayer or meditation book. Or maybe you get up and just, I don't know, play a fucking game on your phone that you like. Just make sure that it's something that's not going to keep you bogged down in that rumination phase of stuff. Should anything happen. Maybe you're not experiencing lof- loss or grief for anything right now, but... It's fucking life. Something's gonna happen. (laughs) I don't mean to sound like the other shoe's gonna drop at some point. But, I mean, life is just a constant mixture of positive and negative things. And you need to learn how to cope with the positive, with the negative when it does happen by maximizing the positive while you're experiencing it. Yeah. I feel like I'm just rambling at this point. Like, everyone knows that grief is hard. And, oh, there's no one-advice-fits-all example for grief because everyone experiences it differently. Um, There are a lot of, I don't know, ceremonial, ritual-type things that people do. Um... There's a thing I've seen where people put little messages in balloons or tied to balloons and then let them go. And obviously they don't think that that message reaches the other person. But just writing it down and going through the motions of that little ceremony helps people feel a little more closure. Because closure does not come from another person. It comes from you. You need to feel like you are able to move on from something and closure is something that you create in your own mind and sometimes doing something like that will help like um writing something down and burning it um, you may not get closure in your grief and that's something that you have to accept if it's not going to happen. But if you find a way to move on mentally past something, and not necessarily negating it, but just incorporating it and accepting it. Like, (laughs) you can't Dismiss the fact that you've been fired or you're not in a relationship anymore that someone has died. I mean, obviously it's happened. You can't say it didn't. But if you get to a place where that loss doesn't define you or make you feel (laughs) like your entire life is off the rails, then you've made progress. And that's all that grief is. It's just a slow progress toward normalcy, whatever the fuck normal is. There's no such thing as normal. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, the process of grief is just a slow progression from those intense feelings of loss and sadness to an acceptance of those things and carrying on despite those things. So that's all you need to do is just carry on That stupid meme has a fucking purpose. Carry on, just like that one band said. All American Rejects, maybe? I don't know. It's been a while since I've gotten all emo. In summation, was this episode funny? Nah. Was it useful? I hope so. A lot of people struggle with grief and uh, I thought it was time I say something about it. Yeah. So, lessons learned from today. You don't have to go through the five stages of grief. You don't have to feel any particular way. Whatever you're feeling is normal. And I assure you, you're not the first person to feel that way in your grief. We've we've had death for thousands of years. You're not the first person to experience whatever you've experienced. Um, acceptance is the goal. And moving on. Not forgetting the person or the thing. But just... Knowing that it's no longer a part of your life. And that's okay. And it's very helpful to talk about things. They've done studies about complicated and acute grief. And they've shown that people who dissociate and deny that something negative has happened have longer term grief symptoms than people who acknowledge and talk about stuff. So talk about your loss with anyone you feel comfortable with and it helps you move towards acceptance. Like legit studies. I'm not going to name them now. Let me know if you would like those (laughs) studies. But they exist. Um. So yeah. Don't hide your grief. Talk about it. Be open about it and Work toward the ultimate goal of acceptance. And you'll be doing okay. It will be okay. Oh my god. This was such a fucking serious episode. Sorry. But when you're talking about mental health, it's gonna get serious sometimes. And... Sometimes when you're drinking...